Welcome to the Orthodontics and Summary Podcast, where Farouk brings you the key points and understanding of orthodontic webinars, conferences, and papers in a concise podcast with your host, Farouk Ahmed. Welcome to this episode of Orthodontics in Summary. Today's lecture is entitled The Use of Intermaxillary Elastics in Orthodontic Practice. Easy, cheap, and effective. This was a lecture by Kleber Morales. It was an interesting lecture where he gave a run-through of the key points of why and how he used the elastics and how he counters the side effects of them. Morales's key message was to take the force magnitude as being as important as the direction of elastic that we use. He described how there's a large variation in how orthodontists use forces, and Corral showed this in 1996, and that we aren't very good at understanding the exact force we're using. How Morales conquers this is that he uses a gauge for every single patient that he treats. He mentioned how excessive elastic forces can cause damage to the PDL and also root resorption. Next, Morales went on to describe the use of class 2 elastics, how they are ideal in eye-distalizing anterior teeth. They can mesialize lower posterior teeth, but they come with side effects, and he was quite frank and honest about them. The extrusion of the upper anterior teeth, the extrusion of the lower posterior teeth, and rotations to the uh, clockwise direction to the occlusal plane. However, Morales has a way to counter this process. He said, you've got to look at the case that you're treating and avoid high-angle cases from the outset and also to reduce the vertical vector. And that can be through two means. One is just by increasing the horizontal distance. So going from the mesial of the upper lateral incisor to the lower second permanent molars. And he described a second way, which is really interesting in his key, in his key clinical tip, which was the use of a sliding jig. So what is a sliding jig? Well, a sliding jig is an auxiliary arch wire. It has loops on its mesial and distal sides. It usually ranges from the distal aspect of the upper canine to the mesial aspect of the first permanent molar. And it's allowed to move freely on the arch wire. Now on the mesial aspect, there is a power arm, which is essentially facing occlusally as opposed to the conventionally gingival position. And this sliding jig works by that mesial power arm having the class 2 elastic on it going to the lower first permanent molar. Now there's two key advantages of the sliding jig. One is that it effectively eliminates the vertical vector. Now that that mesial power arm has an occlusal attachment, which is occlusal to the brackets, there's very little vertical vector taking place with a class two elastic. The second advantage is that it's more efficient than just having power chain or elastomerics from the arch wire itself because the distal vector is delivered directly to that upper first permanent molar essentially bypassing the premolars. Morales then went on to describe the class two subdivision case. To recap, a class two subdivision is where one side, the molar relationship is class two, the affected side, and the other side is class one. And when it's of a dental origin, what he mentioned is that there usually is a cant on the affected class two side. So he mentioned a very simple way to resolve the issues here about using a class 2 elastic on the affected side. Now it allows the upper anterior teeth to be extruded, but also distalizes the upper right quadrant to help correct that class 2 relationship. And a sliding jig is ideal, he mentioned. He also gave the recommendation of using a rectangular stainless steel wire and 350 grams of force on that quadrant. 
And he mentioned with class 2 elastics, we can lose torque on the incisors as they are retracted. He advised the placement of torque in the arch while during retraction and not after retraction as a way of countering this. The last bit was looking at class 2 stability. So he mentioned that patients can posture with class 2 elastics, and that's very true, and I noticed that in my own clinical practice. But he mentioned that there's a key take-home message from the use of class 2 elastics, is that you need to allow bony formation to take place and remodeling to occur. And PDL may not be reorganized within those first couple of weeks. So he recommended for having, having at least three months of elastic wear to stabilize the patient's class 2 elastic to allow remodeling to take place before cessating class 2 elastic wear. That's the end of this episode. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. Stay tuned for the next episode.